Welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. And really quick, before I get to this week's show, I do want to thank my patrons, Rob, Robert, Case, and MJ. Thank you for continuing to support me at patreon.com slash stormageddon. If you'd like a shout-out here, you can just join in at the $5 level there as well. But honestly, any level helps. It all goes into all the things I work on, my podcast, my streaming, everything. All that money goes right back into making bigger and better things for all of you. Um, also a reminder that um, I am affiliated with the incredible BeanQuest Coffee, and I have a discount code for you, DJ underscore coffee. You get 5% off your entire order. Um, I'm so happy to be partnered with them. Uh, they are gamers who love making quality coffee, um, and you don't have to like gaming to like their coffee. So definitely go check that out. But now on to this week's guest, which is the incredible Mark Vigent. Um, I met Mark at his monthly show at Caveat called Internet Explorers. Um, I went for the YouTube show, which Mike Rognetta, former guest of this podcast, was a part of, and uh, then and we became fast friends. And I got to learn all about all of the different things he does, from writing to live comedy to improv. He has his own YouTube channel. He's kind of a jack of all trades when it comes to all things comedy. And a really fascinating person. So I was really excited to have him on the show to talk to you about all things comedy, internet, and more. Here is me and the incredible Mark Vigent. anything else. Uh, I, for one, am going to gush about your Neopets series because I uh, think it's, it's wonderful. Oh, God. That's lovely. As, as I have three more videos in, on, in queued, in but show. I just haven't been able to, uh, you know, find the time. I was going to keep making those while I was in L.A., and it was just too much. I, I, don't, I don't doubt it. As someone who actually tried to play Neopets, like, during its popularity, yeah. watching you go through it... Like, and as someone who, like, I love video games, I'm a gamer, but like, sure, that site, as you well know, is not conducive to, uh, well, anything, really. No. <laughs> Especially, so, I mean, somebody commented, like, imagine what, what this would be like if you didn't have ad block on. I know, yeah. And it didn't even occur to me, it'd probably be a nightmare. Well, that's why, like, I commented something along the lines of, like, this is a visual representation of my anxiety. Yeah. Or something. I because, like, it is. Like, yeah. the fact that every time you went into a deeper hole you were just like yeah. and what's this like yeah yeah it and it really didn't fun. seem like it it didn't wasn't a rewarding journey it was a <laughs> yeah but uh, i'll save i'll save myself sure well i have started recording oh you did to, record okay, yeah okay. i started it just because i i like to just kind of get chatting i used to be like well, let's sit down and then i'll introduce you and all this stuff and it felt very stilted. Sure. I felt like the conversations were better just kind of yeah. winging it. As an improver, I'm sure you can relate to that. Sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I can imagine that, like, especially when you're just shooting the shit, so many interesting things come and you're like, no, 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 don't say that yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's recreate this moment. <laughs> On purpose. Yeah. Later. Which I'm, I'm sure works in imp improv all the time, too. I am, I'm just, like, looking at everything around me. How many times have you gone to sleep no more? Um, those are all my spouses. I've still never been. She's been, I think, like seven wow. times or something, or four times maybe. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, she loved it. I've, I always wanted to go, but she went before we met, 
many, many times. And I see, I see. It also is not a particularly cheap show to see. So no, like, uh, we went once and I hated it. Really? I really had a negative experience. Interesting. So, yeah. I'm surprised. Most people rave about it. I know. That was my, that was why I was so upset. I was so yeah. disappointed. Sure. I mean, that makes sense too. Like, especially when something's super hyped. And yeah. you go to see it, and then it just it can't live up to what. Mm-hmm. what My problem is that nobody else was like actually playing the rules. Like everyone had their phones out; they were like uh, holding hands, and like you're supposed to experience it on your own and ask all these questions and stuff. And I felt like people had been like, "Oh, it's amazing! Like you could pick up a, a thing, and then that like opens a door." Yeah, and so yeah. I just like kept touching everything, and I accidentally like went backstage at a moment and like found <laughs> like a prop. And I was like, no, this sucks. I don't like that I am able to do this. That makes, yeah. I mean, that's legit. I feel yeah. like if you can break an experience, yeah. then you're not going to enjoy it much. Right, right. And I just, people were talking. You're not supposed to talk. Oh, yeah. I, that drives me crazy. Yeah. In theater and movies, like any of that stuff. Like, I'm kind of a purist when it comes to that stuff. Like, I'm going to a movie to make fun of a movie. And, like, there's, yeah. like, an agreement amongst the entire audience to make yeah. fun of the movie. yeah. That's a different story. Yeah. But like if I go to a movie that even if it's not particularly good and people are like talking the whole time, I'm like, can you like shut yeah, up so I can do the thing? Do that. Um, but I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Uh, I sure. really dug your show when I saw it. So I'm speaking with uh, Mark Vigent. Yes. Uh, did I get the last name correct? You absolutely did. This is the first I, time. I did my research. That's great. I, I remembered it by going, oh, it's like Regent, but Vigent. Yes, that's so. helpful. Yeah. But like, okay, so I was, I, my voice is a little hoarse right now because I was at my improv, my college improv group's 35th reunion. Wow, that's awesome. Which is, yeah, it's awesome or like <laughs> sad, depending on who I'm talking to. Somebody today sure. I was on the phone with was like, that's so sad. I was like, okay, kind of fuck you, but also like, you're right. <laughs> But we don't have enough social cachet. You can't just yeah. like walk. It's not like your best friend said that. Yeah, no, no, no. If it was, you know, my best friend, I'd be like, yeah, I guess. But it wasn't said. It was yeah. a blast. Yeah. But anyway, a handful of the older alumni were like, we have been pronouncing it Vigeon forever. <laughs> and I was like, please continue. I have sure. no problem with that. It sounds that. way more sophisticated that way. It's absolutely the way it's supposed to be pronounced. It's just, you know... We moved here and somebody yeah. decided is Vigent. Yeah. Well, that's like, so my last name is Storm. It was shortened from Strumlauf at oh, Ellis wow. Island, which okay. I'm glad because I would have never been able to spell it. But, like, I still get people who screw up Storm. Like, they'll say Strum or something wow, else. Wow, really? Like, Storm is, like, a game. <laughs> so, like, on the phone now, I've got, and, like, whenever I meet someone for the first time, if they have to, like, look me up somewhere, I go Storm, like, the weather. Because I feel like <laughs> you can't possibly screw it up. Yeah, that's strange. I mean, I would say Storm, like, the X-Man, but sure, right. not everyone's going to get that. Yeah. Um, so, I first met you. Yes. Um, because you did, you did your series, Internet Explorers, on YouTube, which... Um, had one of the had a panel, and one of the panelists was Mike Rignetta, who mm-hmm. I'm friends with and who I've had on this podcast. Yes, um, and I was blown away by it. Like I was just, I had such a good time. It was such good fun, which was super exciting. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about what Internet Explorers is and kind of how you came to create the show? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so Internet Explorers is my monthly comedy show in the Lower East Side of New York City uh, at this place called Caveat, which fucks. Yeah. So, 
you know, caveat, it's intelligent nightlife. Yeah. Had you been there before? I, so I hadn't, but I had a friend who ran a burlesque show there for ages. Nice. And so, like, I knew of the place, but I, that was the first time I'd been there. Their programming is super cool. Um, and so Internet Explorers is... So so these days, I use comedy to explore and demystify technology. Right. It's, like, kind of the way I'm framing <laughs> my career at this sure. moment. Um, and so Internet Explorers is my monthly um, adventure into a corner of the World Wide Web with guest comedians and experts. Uh, so at the show you came to, it was all about YouTube. Yep. Um, and um, I talked all about the radicalization, uh, the extremist rabbit holes, like all the things that have happened on YouTube that... I don't know. For me personally, I wasn't like a crazy uh, obsessive YouTube person. Mm-hmm. Um, I view YouTube videos the same way that I feel like I did in 2009, which is like, oh, here's a funny video. Watch one, close it, and then move and go on. back on with my life. I don't like sit there with autoplay on and yeah. just like kind of know the personalities and ins and outs and stuff. So researching for that show, I was like, oh shit, a lot has gone down. Um, and so, yeah, it was nice to, like, bring that to an audience in a fun way. Um, and, yeah, Mike Regnetta was on it. Carlos Maza was on it. And he was in the middle of his uh, controversy with Steven Crowder. Yeah, um, which, like, it's funny. I had heard the, it must have been Reply All. Reply All had a story with him, like, the week before my And show. so I had heard that. Uh-huh. And, like, when I saw the name, like, the only name I recognized was Mike's because I'd worked with Mike before. I'm a fan of Idea Channel, which was yeah, on YouTube. Idea Channel fucks. It was... Just such a great show. Yeah. And, like, it's funny, too, because when I first interviewed, like, we've become fairly good friends, but, like, when I first interviewed him, I felt like I knew him. Because yeah. I watched all those videos, yeah. and it's so very much himself. Yeah. But, like, so Carlos Maza, I had heard the name, and, like, oh, that sounds familiar. Right. And then once you got him on stage and started just kind of interviewing him, I was like, oh, I know who this guy is. Yeah. And, like, it, it was just, it was a really fast. it's a fascinating structure because, like, so I'm a comedy nerd, uh, you know, I grew up listening to all sorts of different kinds of comedy and watching all sorts of different kinds of comedy and sketch and, like, you know, SNL and um, the... um, Kids in the Hall. Kids in the Hall. And then what was... There was another one. Mr. Show. Mr. Show. Like, all of those... those Three for three over here. Yeah, pretty much. Um, (laughs) I mean, you named three of the biggest. I guess two for two. I said... Right. (laughs) But, um, like, I like... When comedy has a purpose, also, it's, I guess, going back to Idea yeah. Channel, why I liked it so much right. is like sometimes Mike was funny, it had right. memes, but it also had a purpose. It was like teaching you something. Yeah, so you asked how I got there, and that's kind of exactly it. Like, I um, was a main stage performer at UCB for mm-hmm. over five years. Um, awesome. Before that, I was like, you know, it, it, even in high school and college, I was like a super improv guy. I was like, I'm going to be a comedian, and improv is the ticket. I'm going to get on Herald Night at UCB, um, and then I'm going to be indoctrinated into the halls of comedy greatness um, because that's just kind <laughs> that's of how like, it goes. That is right. Yeah. Like in the tw- early 2010s and late 2000s, like UCB was everything. Uh, it's so it seemed right to like. Uh, there, there was this path that you saw, which was like, oh, I go to UCB, I take classes, I like start an indie team, and then I get on a Herald team, and then I get on a weekend team, and then I'm famous like Neil Casey, who is now actually famous, but for many, many years he was not famous. <laughs> not, yeah. Uh, and there are many weekend performers who, who aren't famous. 
Um, <clears throat> and so I was performing sketch comedy at UCB for a long time. Uh, I had several different shows there. I had several different groups there. Um, and I had a solo show called Let's Make a Website. Right. Um, that was in 2017. And it was the best thing I'd ever made. Um, truly, up until that point. Like, I, like so I had a monthly sketch comedy show there called OSFUG, the fast fucking sketch show. And everything we did was two pages or less, very low, lo-fi. And my dream at the time was to have my own sketch comedy show. I right. wanted my version of the state um, where, like... We don't get paid a lot, and not enough people watch it, but then all of us break off and do our own thing. Sure. And then we come back together for Wet Hot American Summer ten years later, and, <laughs> and then, like, nobody watches that for a few years, and then all of a sudden we're all kind of famous, and we do a, you know, reunion. That a reunion like, one, yeah. I, I, like, kind of scripted that in my head, um, and then I, I grew disillusioned with my, you know, with the sketch comedy world because we tried to sell a pilot, um, and no, and everybody told us, like, you know, we're not buying sketch comedy right now, and if we are, it has a very specific point of view. Right. Um, and so, like, our point of view, quote-unquote, was just that we were fast, um, but, like, translating that to video, where video is already super fast because of the internet, Yeah. Um, it, didn't, it didn't work. So, I was in a particular low point in my career, where I was seeing a lot of my friends kind of keep pushing forward and do cool stuff, and I was like, I want to do cool stuff. So I made this one-man show where I, I built a website on stage based on audience suggestions because my whole hypothesis was, like, I had tried out this character where I would, like, do stuff on my computer and project it, and mm -hmm. audiences would be like, oh, my God, it's, like, magic. <laughs> um, and I was like, well, it's super easy to me. I went to engineering school, and, and like, I was a software developer for a few years. Um, and so that solo show was really awesome, and, like, it's how I got my agent, um, it's, you know, how, like, I toured the country with it. I performed it at uh, the Kennedy Center. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it kind of was, like, the beginning of the rest of my career kind of moment. Right. I was like, oh, shit, like, I'm on stage alone, and people are laughing really hard, and it feels good. Um, and so, uh, that at UCB, you know, you get, like, an eight-month run, and, uh, or I guess it depends on... The stage. I don't. I don't know what it is now. Right. I don't really perform there anymore. But um, at the time, you know, it was like you get eight months, you get two shows a month, and so I had my big finale show, and then I was like, "There's still more. I right. want to keep doing this." So Caveat had just opened, just as UCB Chelsea closed, like the oh, Great Citizens wow. Brigade Theater had this really awesome theater. In I Chelsea. remember the Chelsea space. Yeah, it was the best. It yeah, was my favorite place to perform, and. For some mysterious reason, uh, UCB closed that location and opened a new location in a in an environment that I wasn't the biggest fan of. Um, not saying it's a bad space. I'm trying to be diplomatic. Here. <laughs> right, sure. No, I hear not you. trying to yuck the yum of people who still like uh, performing there. Totally. Um, but I liked that intimate basement, uh, kind of more black box feeling, and I lived in the Lower East Side at the time, and so Caveat was like a three-minute walk. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. That is great. Like, I want to do, you know, a show where I just make new, like, internet bits all the time. And Caveat was like, okay, cool, but we also like it when there's, like, an educational element like, it can't just be you goofing around. Right. So that's how Internet Explorers was born. Um, that's awesome. Like, and what was the first one you did on? 
There was no theme. Oh, really? Yeah, In the it beginning, just, it was just to demystify yeah, the internet. Well, it was just me fucking around. Oh, it was cool. just me fucking around. The whole, the whole theme was like a note that the theater owners gave me. They're like, what if you like had a special theme every show, and that changed everything? Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Like, the first show that had a, me, uh, that had a uh, theme was about shit posting. And um, I just like, it just changed the game for me because I was like, oh, now all of a sudden, I don't know. I feel like as a creative, you balk at the idea of limitations, but then as soon as you put a limitation on it, it just makes your, you so much more creative. Yeah. Um, and so like for that show, I made a shit posting Facebook group called Meme Evil Memes, <laughs> where it's just um, memes about medieval times, the restaurant. <laughs> dinner theater it's amazing it's great it, and then like my brother's friends just like all kind of they're, they're all like internet you know something awful kind of people yeah who all just like it's not a big group but uh there was a lot of activity in it for a while that's awesome. really cool yeah yeah I, I totally get that though because like so this show started as just interviewing musicians and then it got broader just because I was meeting people outside of the music scene right but like when I I have three other podcasts one of them is a video game podcast that originally was just going to be kind of about storytelling yeah. games yeah but then a friend of mine who mutually was obsessed with this game series Mass Effect as I was which yes. is like really intimate game series you make a lot of different choices that affect the later games in the series she's like why don't we do a playthrough of the game making honest choices and talk about it and, like, I've been doing that podcast probably the least amount of time of any of my shows, and it has easily the biggest audience. Huh. Because it's a specific series right. that right. hasn't had a new game in, I don't know, eight years. And so people are looking for content, right. and they go hunting it down. Right. And I think what's really cool about Internet Explorers, for me, like, as an audience member who had never been to one of your shows before, came because someone I knew was in it, it was so approachable because you were... You're approaching these things from the place of whether you are or not as an inexperienced person on the internet. Like, mm -hmm. I know nothing about YouTube, so how do I approach YouTube? And also, you you let your audience vote on the when the show is coming up, how you engage with it. Yeah. Which I think is really brilliant. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that, like, especially, I want to just do also point out, like, it wasn't until this year, for, so forever, for the first half of Internet Explorer's lifespan, it was just another comedy show. Right. Like, I just had, you know, stand-ups uh, and character performers that I liked. And so I would kind of bring all of the internet stuff, and I would be on theme talking about shitposting or net art or hacking or what, what have you, and then I'd have a guest come on stage and kind of, like, do their own thing and derail it. Right. And so it wasn't until the beginning of this year I, um, I started just, like, booking internet experts, and it just, like, changed the whole game. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Because, like, now it's a show where I bring the funny part, um... Not to say that I wasn't the funniest part of the show before. Right. Because I am. Thank you. <laughs> no, but because like now, yeah, I've, I've spent a lot of time in the past, in the past year thinking about like what, how can you add value to society? And uh, my wife, Grace, helps me kind of wrap my head around my career. And we were talking this through and saying like, well, does the world need like another goofy like, character, straight white dude? Like, no. Like, as much fun as I would have, you know, throwing on a new wig and just being like, hey, you know, like, here I am! <laughs> There's like 700 million of us that yeah. show up to every fucking audition in New York City, and I'm like, god damn it. I want to do something that gives 
any amount of meaning. Like I want, I, like I don't know. Maybe it's the I I have a lot of guilt from like a Catholic upbringing. Sure, as a Jew, I can relate. And yeah. I and I want to just make sure that I use my gifts. And, sure. And I'm like, well, if I if I can understand topics on the internet in a way that you know your average person might not have the time to research, and I can deliver it to you in a fun way, so you could be like, oh. Okay, that's happening. Okay, cool. Clocked it. Now I can go on with my normal life and they can have fun and stuff. Like, that's yeah. good. And yeah, I do uh, encourage the audience to vote on what I'm doing next. And I like the, the phrasing of some of it. Like, so for YouTube, it was uh, live extremely on YouTube. Like, be a creator yes. Yes. and also consume on YouTube. That's right. And what's funny is, like, you're talking about how you weren't, you're not, you, you watch YouTube when you're directed to it, but you don't go out of your way. I, over the last five years or so have become a YouTube watcher. Like okay. I follow channels mostly because like a lot of the video essayists are really intelligent right. and make some really great stuff. Like, but also at heart, like I'm a music and gamer nerd. So like right. people talking about that stuff is interesting to me. And there's more of that on YouTube than there is on network TV for per se. Yeah. But what's really interesting about the show that I went to live is like, that you acknowledge also that some of the bits are bits from other things. And you tried them on YouTube. Like, my favorite that still shows up in your story sometimes is Loud Mark. Oh, yeah. Because it's, like, for me, comedy can be at its lowest, like, just dumbest, like, most ridiculous, simplest premise. Yeah. And it gets me. Yeah, And, like, sure. Loud Mark is just, it's regular guy says thing. And then Loud Mark really, like, the says audio is just I just really jack up the audio as loud as possible. Where did that, the idea for something like that come from? Is it just, like... Oh, I mean, so, I mean, in my... I, <laughs> like, I feel like since moving to New York to pursue comedy, I've lived and died a thousand lives. Sure, you know of course. Because I mean? you have so many different things that you've worked on. Yeah. And so there was... When I moved here, my mindset was very much like, okay... I've never really done sketch comedy before, and uh, the only way to get better is to fail hard and sure. fail fast Absolutely. in a huge way. So there was a period of time there where my sketch, my first sketch group in New York is called Kingmaker, mm -hmm. um, and so we were writing a new state, writing and performing a new stage sketch once a week and releasing a video once a week. And we knew that they were going to be not as good as we wanted them to be, and right. that was okay. And so, like... With that kind of deadline and that kind of output, um, I just had an idea. Like I would, and also when I was like, when I first moved here, I was like trying to think of like, what are ways that we could like, what are ways that we're thinking that no other like, how is nobody else approaching sketch comedy? Like, right. Nobody's thinking about the audio level. <laughs> like that literally was my thought. Like I was sitting there, I was like, no one thinks about like audio comedy. <laughs> and uh, that was the, the first that was like, just like as an example, like what if there was a, a sketch that ended with me just being like, hi, <laughs> and like, and then we made it and it was like our most successful thing that we made. Sure. Um, well, I've also found on the internet, especially talking about um, Internet Explorer is like the shorter something is, the yeah. faster people grab it, especially in meme culture, like having an hour long podcast people most of the time are not going to share a thing until they've listened to it. Some people will. But for the most part, people want to interact with the thing before they share it. And so like my friend who makes a webcomic that's four panels got more followers, more shares, more likes faster because it's a four-panel comic. Right. You can like consume it so quick. And I feel like with videos and stuff too, it's the same way. Like a quick bit, someone go, oh, that's funny. I'll share it. Yeah. You know, especially on like Twitter and Instagram. Like that, it's just 
more shareable because it's so uh, compact. Right. Well, for sure. And like now that I, you know, I released. It's funny that you're talking about the extremely on YouTube bit because I'm finally releasing the videos that document my journey oh, being extremely awesome. on YouTube. So on Saturday, I released the first one, and and for the next four Saturdays, it's every so. This project is what I talked about at Internet Explorers that you yeah. were at, where like every day for a week I started a new YouTube channel yes. in a different genre, yeah. or as Alec Trebek would call it, genre. 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 Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where, yeah, I would wake up in the morning, I would tackle, like create a new Gmail account, watch a whole bunch of videos, and then try to make my own. And then my buddy Ian would come over afterwards and interview me on how it went. Um, and so I'm really excited about that, but those videos are all like 15 minutes long. Sure. It's nobody in my live comedy world like shares 15 minute videos. No, of course not. No one's going to be like, yeah, watch my friend's video that he made in his living room. Like, <laughs> and that's why it's been su such an interesting adjustment to try to like be a, be an internet and live performer. I've been trying to... Yeah, I don't know where the that. line is for that. It's weird, too. So, like, besides doing the podcast, I'm a DJ and I'm a burlesque MC. And so, like, nice. I try when I can to plug my stuff at my shows right. if it's relevant. Like, we did a video game theme burlesque show back in March. And so, of course, I plugged my video game podcast. Sure. But, like, I, and maybe I got one or two listeners that were vocal, at least, on social media about having found it that way. But I'm always not sure how to share that stuff in a live setting. On the other hand, like, I did a panel with one of my video game podcasts at a gaming convention. And, like, people came to the panel. And then, like, I shook hands and handed out business cards. And all of those people have oh. become regular listeners. Well, for sure. And, like, I think, like I keep thinking, oh, well, we have to share everything. Because the internet is how we die by these, like, uh, these properties. And it doesn't seem like that's actually no, true. It, you know that idiom, like... Practice makes perfect. Uh -huh. And then your band. I don't know if you had a band teacher who ever said this. I definitely did. My yeah. band teacher would be like, no, 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 no. Perfect practice makes perfect. Yeah. So it's the same kind of idea of like, yeah, shares are helpful, but good shares are more helpful. Yeah. Um, and so when I think about, you know, like the, the different phases of my career, like about four years ago, yeah, I I had a sketch comedy show at UCB called OSFUG that was monthly. I also had another sketch comedy show called An Evening with the Trumpet Boys, where me and two of my buddies, Ian and Dan, uh, put on like this vaudevillian trumpet show. And then separately from that, I was writing a book of dad poems, which are like <laughs> po poems written by these two dads, like with my buddy Sam. And so like this was all this disparate, like funny, weird. Like, related in that they're all kind of, like, goofy, um, but my shift more recently because of that very problem has been, like, no, I do one thing. Yeah. I'm, I want, when you think, like, who's a comedian who knows a lot about the internet, I want people to, like, list my name. Yeah. Because there aren't that many of us. Yeah, totally. And and also in modern, with modern technology, I feel like you have to have a, I hate this word, brand. Personal brand. Yeah. It's just, I hate, it's so... Fucking pretentious, but it's really true. Like, I found more success having multiple podcasts and streaming and all the other stuff that I do by branding it under Stormageddon, which is my yeah. DJ name, and just sharing everything under one roof. Right. And then, like, all those other sites exist for the individual projects, but, like, 
creating this kind of nerdy brand that yeah. I'm just a nerdy guy who obsessively thinks about and talks about these different things yeah. makes it, I think, more approachable than going, hey, I do this thing, and then I do this thing, right. and I do that thing. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole the whole idea of, like, your personal brand is, like, an unfortunate, like, the the, the conversation around personal branding, sorry, I burped. It's, um, it's okay. <laughs> is, like, a whole, like, um, I burp a lot. Uh, it's all good. I, I appreciate that you're bringing it up, though. No, so I now I'm definitely not going to edit out the pause. No, you got to. I got to leave it because it's got to all connect, and that's okay. <laughs> I'm not. I have no shame around burping. That's also part of my personal brand. Uh, I agree. No. Burping and farting, personally, <laughs> I think, are both perfectly acceptable. They are. Um, but what I think, you know, like. It is an unfortunate conversation around it because of, like, Instagram and social media is, like, pushing us to every person as a company. Every, yeah. every one of us is a burnt-out gig economy in itself. <laughs> but um, there is value in a non-gross way in being able to be described. Right. Or being able to be known. Like, your brand is just who you are and what you do, but, like, if you're trying really hard to, like, break into an industry, it really helps if you are, you know, focused. Right. I guess is what I'm trying you, to say. If you have, like, a, a thing that you're working towards. Well, talking about, uh, let's talk a little bit about your roots uh, in comedy. Yeah. Growing up, did you have favorite comedians, favorite yes. sketch comics that, like, you really looked to when you were first starting to look into comedy? Yeah. So, I'm the fifth of five children. Oh, wow. Yeah. And my dad is a big, like, he was a comedy nerd, I believe. I don't think he would ever admit to that. But, like, the thing that he would share with my brother, Ben, and I, um, because, you know, uh, he shared different things with different ones of us because of age gaps. Right. Uh, but uh, he would share all these old comedies and things with us. So so I grew up listening to Stan Freeberg. Sure. Who was a radio uh, performer. Uh, we watched Rocky and Bullwinkle and George of the Jungle and Ernie Kovacs. was like my first favorite sketch comedy show. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever watched any of Ernie Kovacs I'm shit. I'm familiar with it, but I don't think I've watched an excessive amount. It's absurdist sketch comedy that was on TV in the 50s. It's oh, wow. like fucking insane. That's cool. Um, we watched like all the Zucker Brother movies. We watched all the Mel Brooks movies. Of course. And, um, and like concurrently I was watching, you know, like Nicktoons and then because I was the youngest I watched The Simpsons starting when I was seven because like I didn't, you know, my parents kind of like at that point, they're like, oh, I guess he can watch it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Once you have a TV in your bedroom, your parents have no idea what you're watching. Oh, well, I didn't have a TV in my bedroom. But ah. the, the rules, it was kind of hands-off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, fuck it. So I, I, I loved, I don't know, Leslie Nielsen maybe was my, oh my first God, favorite yeah. comedian. I mean, he, I mean, yeah, I remember, it's funny, because like, I remember talking to my dad about it, like he wasn't always a comedic actor. No, no. He was a dramatic actor for a long time, and it wasn't until I was of age to watch his movies, like the Naked Gun era, yeah. that he became a comedian, and I never knew that. Like It wasn't well, until I was much older that right. I realized that he, he started yeah. on a different path. Well, everyone in Airplane wasn't a comedian. Right. Like That's what, that's what makes Airplane so good. Is that he's the straight man the whole yeah. time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I loved Les Leslie Nielsen. I loved... I love Mel Brooks. Like, I yeah. grew up watching all of those movies. And, like, I was obsessed with them not realizing I was obsessed with comedy. I just, yeah. I liked the, the I liked yeah, Star sure. Wars and I liked the Star Wars spoof. Right. Like, you know, I liked Dracula. I liked the Dracula spoof and whatever right. else, you know. 
it, it's interesting what we latch on to. I found also as I've gotten older, like comedians that I liked when I was younger, I may not like as much now. Sure. Either due to shit they've done or just right. my my evolution of humor changing. We were big Bill Cosby fans. He was like, Same. his records were really wholesome, fun family yeah. records. So we would listen to them in the car. Um my dad is also like an obsessive fan of Bob and Ray. Have you ever heard of Bob and Ray? No, I don't think I have. Uh, well, this is a treasure trove for <laughs> a comedy nerd, my friend. I am excited. So, like, the first... Every comedy writer, I think, on TV... Uh, like, every Simpsons writer in the early Simpsons were obsessive Bob and Ray fans. Like, okay. Bob and Ray was this radio program that was... This dude, Bob Elliott and Ray Goulding. You know Bob Elliott's grandchildren yeah. and son, Chris Elliott, and then... Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Bridie Elliott and uh, Abby Elliott. It's like one of those comedy dynasty families. (laughs) Right. But it was like this very, you know, absurd, goofy, a lot of stupid bits, but they had their bits. They had like, they have bits that are actively just recycled now. Sure. So like there was, um, one of their classic bits is the slow talkers of America and Wally Ballou is this like bumbling news reporter who is a reoccurring character in their news broadcast in their broadcast and he's interviewing the host of the Slow Talkers of America <laughs> and the Slow Talkers talk really fucking slow right and so it's just like one of those hilarious like impatient person asking a person who's talking really slow yeah and that like exact bit was in Zootopia right with the sloth yeah with the sloth. I remember it was that the exact bit <laughs> that's really great. Yeah. And not to say that, like, you can't have that. It's not like it's the most original idea in the world, yeah. but it was done so similarly that you have to be like, well, I, I, bet, that per- I bet that person was it was. before. Well, yeah, I, I love when you see that. St- I also, like, talking about old comedy, like, I, I, I find that there are some comedy bits that are universal. Sure. Like, I was in a... Falling down. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> physical comedy is funny yeah. because it's relatable. Right. But, like, I was in an audio engineering course in college, which sounds really pretentious when I say it out loud, um, but we had to bring in, we had to, we had to do a project on a radio show. Like, sure. we had to bring in radio stars. And so I brought in Abbott and Costello, because wow. I loved Abbott and Costello. I mean, the movies, the you radio You didn't stuff. actually bring them in. No, they no, were, no, no, okay. no, no. They, I don't, I believe they were dead. <laughs> um, but, like, uh, the project... We when we did the projects and the write ups, we also had to play a selection for the class, and so I chose who's on first. Sure, because I still, <laughs> I still can't think about it without laughing. And I brought it in. And I'm like, I wonder if people will find this funny. Like I listen to it all the time, and I think it's hilarious. But right. like, and like, of all of the bits, that one got the biggest laugh because it's it's not even the content; it's the personalities yeah. and like the heightened frustration. Right. Of one character to the other straight man right. is the is the funny thing. Right. The rest of what they're saying is almost irrelevant. Mm. And it just happens to be about baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I, I had a, uh, m- like, a second base shirt that said, what? Like, where my name <laughs> Amazing. Was, That's great. Uh, when I was in elementary school. Would you say there are any comedians that you closely based, like, your sense of style on? Like, other improvers, maybe, (sighs) that you feel like they're similar to? So, so, and I I no longer really improvise, Mm -hmm. so I I just classify myself generally as a comedian. Okay. Like, a creative person who makes comedy. 
Um, I feel like improviser, you know, you think I'm going to be like, hey, can I get a non-geographical location? <laughs> yeah. Which I don't want. Please don't, <laughs> don't comment don't, don't. on this podcast with a non-geographical location. Because we won't, we won't be able um, to respond. And even if, I, if we could, I wouldn't. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, I would say um, The Simpsons was really important to me. And then when I got to high school, my brother got into improv, like at this theater program he was working at. And we watched Whose Line Is It Anyway? Cause, of course, like, everybody did. Uh, you had to. It was on TV. Yeah. Uh, it, it's also literally funny. Like, yeah. I think all, everyone who like went through the, like, Whose Line Is It Anyway sucks. Like, let's grow up, people. Yeah. Those people are very talented. It's an edited TV show. It's fine. One of the best <laughs> comedy live shows I saw was when Brad Sherwood and Colin Mockery were on tour together. Oh, for sure. And, like... Like, I just, I laughed so hard I couldn't breathe the whole time. The, the, those guys are so fucking good. Like, yeah. To make short form improv interesting requires extreme skill. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure there were edits, but like to watch the regulars on that show yeah. just spew out the most ridiculous, stupid shit all the time. Yeah. And do it well. Do and it with well. like. And commit. They committed so hard, and it didn't matter what the bit was. Like right. there was one, there was one bit I, I rewatched recently where like it was one where Colin Mockery is pretending to be a a uh, political figure, like addressing a press a press junket, and he doesn't know who he is. He has to ask questions, to find out, yeah. and who he was was Batman coming out of the closet. Right, and so oh, wow. like the questions from Ryan Styles and Wayne Brady, like they, they they're not going to ask, "Oh, are you gay?" Like it's it it doesn't. No. That doesn't get the comedy. No. Instead, they're, like, wording things with innuendo, and, yeah. like, and every time those guys get it, too, yeah, they, which is always, always amazing to me. That's always shocking thing. That's always shocking when they get it. Um, I, yeah, I was, I was a big fan of that show. And then my brother got into UCB, and I went to my first Ask Cat, which, for listeners who don't know, is the Sunday night, um, like, the, a, the A-listers at UCB show. And so the first show I saw... Um, was uh, uh, Eric, Brian Husky's last show in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it was Jason Manzukis and Brian Husky kind of like warming up the crowd, and then Amy Poehler came out, and um, Seth Myers came out, and uh, the monologist that night was um, Dan Bacadal, who was a correspondent on The Daily Show, and then like the regulars who were no names at the time were uh, Zach Woods, Bobby Moynihan, Chris oh, wow. Gethard. So it was just like... This kind of over-the-top, uh, like, powerhouse. And so when I saw that, like, my mind exploded. Because that's kind of what, you know, growing up in the early 2000s, like, in high school, like, I made movies for all my projects. I made little videos with my friends. Yeah. And that's what we were doing. We were improvising, but we didn't know, we didn't have the word for it. Sure. And so then after I saw that, my friends and I would just go on weekends, you know, we would see the stepfathers at, you know, whatever, uh, 7 p.m. and then mother at 9.30 p.m. or, like... On Saturdays, we would go to Death by Ruru, and, uh, uh, well, we would go to Death by Ruru. We would rarely see Reuben Williams. Sorry, Reuben Williams fans in the audience. If you comment, I will not respond. That's fine. I won't either. But, like, my favorite improvisers, uh, when I when I first, like, got involved, like, at first it was John Daly. Sure. He was really fucking amazing, and I was like, oh, my God, like, he's so, like, funny and amazing. But then Zach Woods is, like, the most brilliant improviser you've ever seen in your life, and he could just pull something out of nothing, and you're like, oh, my God, 
he he's unbelievable. But then Neil Casey was my favorite improviser for a while. Um, so yeah, finding UCB was like that was the moment. I feel like you ask, there's going to be a whole generation of performers where like they can tell you the. A, about the first time they went to UCB and who their first crushes at UCB were. And, totally, yeah. Um, th- that was kind of mine. And I mean, like, obviously I went through uh, Mike Myers' phase in, you know, middle school. How could you not? How could I not? Like, How could I not go through my Will Ferrell phase? Steve Martin was, like, my big my big stand-up fandom. Yeah. Because he was, like, more of a character guy. Yeah. Um, he, he was one of those... He's one of those comedians that, like... I go back now and I watch and I, I can't believe some of his stuff like I hadn't seen or like I hadn't yeah. watched. And like he, he, he so I've, I've been obsessively watching uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, <laughs> okay. which is Jerry Seinfeld's interview show. It's longer than like couch interviews, but shorter than a podcast. And so it's been interesting to me, mostly for his guests. When he had Steve Martin on like and they're talking, even though he doesn't want to really do stand up or comedy anymore. He's still so funny. Yeah. And this was before he did the show he did recently, the Netflix special with uh, Martin Short, uh-huh. where he's still incredibly funny. And all the time you're just going, why aren't you performing? Did you read his biography where he was like... Born standing up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was just and, like, oh, one day I just walked off because I didn't like it anymore. And, and, and I get that. Like, of course, if you're burned out on something, even if other people love you for doing it, how can you keep doing it, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, you're doing this stuff because... You like doing it as well as yeah. people enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that a lot of what our society does, because we all need to make money, mm-hmm. uh, and none of us in creative fields are paid equitably until we're paid way too much. Right. Um, like, we we are forced, in, or at least led to led to think we are forced into doing like the same kinds of things that that's what people want. Right. Um, so other than my UCB crushes, then like Tim and Eric were my first like real, like, Oh, I want to make shit like this. This is amazing. Yeah. When I first watched Tim and Eric, I was one of those people was like, what am I watching? And it wasn't until like I went back to it and saw just the absurdity of it. And I think it took getting to understand other absurd comedy or like strange sketch shows. I think also when you're younger, like things that are absurd or don't make sense that aren't like poop jokes are hard to grasp. You're just like, what? I don't understand what's funny about this. Right. The first time I saw Tim and Eric's awesome show, I was mad. Like I remember (laughs) it was Salome, the episode, uh, the the first season ep- episodes don't really have coherent themes, but no. it was like it was just insanity to me, and I was like, I don't understand this, but I kept watching it over and over again. I was like, oh shit, yeah, this is this is good. This is like exactly what I want to do. <laughs> so that was my comedy influence in college, and you could watch the videos I made in college are all so weird. <laughs> and are they available trying... on the internet? Yeah, some of them are. <laughs> I'm not gonna like make it easy for you to find them, but, but you could probably you could like, Google them. them. Yeah, you can find them. Noted. Um, so with Internet Explorers continuing to grow and now that you have these themes that you're doing, um, do you have any lofty goals for it? Like things that you want to take on that maybe you can't quite yet, but like you're looking into like that next step or that thing you want to take on. I mean, like our first goal has been like sell the show out and we've, we've kind of, we've kind of hit that. Um, it's been 
we've been packing the house fairly regularly, and now we're moving to a weekend slot, so that's going to be really easy. Yeah. Um, just because it's easier. Like, I was originally a Wednesday night show, which is hard when it's, like, getting out at 11.30 p.m. Right. But now it's going to be, um, in 2020, it's going to be on Saturday night. Oh, cool. Which is going to be fucking awesome. That is great. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'm using the show simultaneously to, you know... On one hand, learn and create and, like, get more and more, you know, online and un- understand all this stuff. On another hand, I want to continue networking. Like, I've been having such incredible guests on. Yeah. Like Taylor Lorenz, who's a journalist for the New York Times, who's really super dope, has has been on the show, and she's come to back for other shows. Um, Carlos, Mike Regnetta. Yeah. Like, there are so many fucking awesome people. Jen Schiffer. She rules. She she was so great. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had, like... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I just, like, want to continue meeting internet people. Um, and, yeah, eventually I do want to turn this into a TV show. Like, I, the, sure. the, the, the idea at the end of this is, like... Uh, I don't know exactly what it looks like because this is a like a pet project or like a passion project of mine. Like, this is, right. like, where I put a lot of my creative... The Internet Explorers was kind of simultaneously born out of I've been developing a TV show for two years and so this is what I've been distracting myself with while I have slowly been chipping away and and as we were off the record talking earlier um, I was just in LA trying to sell it and still I'm hearing waiting to hear back so not I don't want to go into the details of what the show is of course uh, it's dope and I believe you could be really cool but then like um you know, at one point, if I don't get to if I don't get to make that show, or even if I do, at some point, I do want to like either make this into like your John Oliver for the internet kind of thing. Or... Sure. Do you find that now that you have focused themes and you have guests based on those themes, that it's easier to make connections and grow the show? Oh, for sure. Um, I think at the YouTube show, uh, I believe was the first time I saw someone on Twitter who I didn't know tweet at somebody else I didn't know, like, oh, you would be a perfect guest on Internet Explorers. Like, talking about... That's awesome. It was amazing. That's so cool. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah. Somebody... With like somebody in the industry, uh, like like in Internet journalism, is like treating Internet Explorers as kind of like a milestone of some kind. Um, And is like, yo, you should do it. And then, of course, I booked that person because I was like, yeah. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, yeah, I find like... Well, I like doing all of the things that I work on. What I love about this show is you're always reaching a new audience, right? Yeah. Like for this, the small example of like if I'm uh, interviewing a series of burlesque performers or or uh, musicians, like those audiences will probably be about the same. Right. But the reality is even those audiences are focused. Like if I'm interviewing a nerdcore rapper versus an indie rock or a pop performer, like all of those are very different. And you yeah. never know who you're going to connect with. Like, I was, I came up to you at the end of yeah, that show saying I wanted to do this. It was this. very sweet of you. I really appreciated that. <laughs> but it was one of those things where I don't feel like all the time now I'm seeing people that I'm like, yeah, I want to talk to that guy or oh, that yeah. girl or that they, them. Like, I, I don't I don't feel like, I, don't, I always see people that I'm like, you should come on the show. A lot of it is like, I'm very lucky to know a lot of really cool, talented people that I want to chat with and want other people to get to know. But at the end of the day, if I go to a live experience and I'm like, oh, I like this guy's personality. Yeah. I like what he's doing. I would love to talk to him more. And like 
mind you, that was, and for the audience to know, that was my first show. Like, I yeah. had never interacted with you before, and I was so blown away by it. That rocks. Um, <laughs> I love the format of it. So you have, you have two friends of yours on stage with you. Yeah, yeah. So I bring uh, my buddy Raleigh, uh, is my co-host, and he's there to just, like, h- hype me up. Like, yeah. if a joke doesn't land, he's like... He'll make some comment yeah, or like exactly. say something, tag on it. Yeah, and like he he was instrumental a handful of times where like um, you know where I got flustered because of a tech mishap or something like yeah. that. And he's there like he 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 helps ground me. Um, then I've got Sam. Well, and the other thing about Raleigh is that he has a show at at Caveat called An Inconvenient Talk Show, uh-huh. which he hosts as Al Gore, and it's about the climate. And I play his co-host on that show. Amazing. Um, That's great. So we kind of do that for each other. Cool. Um, and then Sam is my, like, one of my best friends. Uh, she was in my sketch group, OSFUG, who still, we still perform, mm-hmm. um, but not not regularly with the regularity that we used to. Um, but she is the moderator of the live stream. Yeah. Because um, I've been broadcasting these shows on Twitch, because, like, why the fuck not? I mean, it's so easy to do, and why not get more eyeballs if you can? Exactly. Yeah. And truly, uh, the, the stream is awesome. And I would, like, I almost got affiliate, like, in my first month because... Uh, People would watch it and comment and all that stuff. Yeah, because there's a specific amount of benchmarks. For those who don't know, also as a Twitch streamer who is an affiliate, like it's some simple benchmarks, but they want to make sure you're hitting like a certain amount of hours, a certain amount of days broadcasted, yes. and like a certain amount of viewers yes. or followers. And then you just you get affiliate. You can make a little bit of money from it or whatever. Right. And and so, you know, at the beginning of twenty nineteen, like my wife and I were kind of talking about like the, the the project that I was working this this TV show that I just pitched right it was taking so much of my time um, and it was such a humongous commitment and there was this really horrible like existential fear of like what if it doesn't get picked up like, right then of course. then what happens and so we were having this okay w- like I go out on auditions all the time too and like you you book like you know, 0.01% of the auditions you go on. And so to take, my, like, control, take the take my uh, career into my own hands, I was like, well, you know, if I build an audience on Twitch and YouTube, I can slowly build those audiences. And, you know, if we don't sell this show, then I could just, like, fully lean into that and potentially, like, start a Patreon. And, right. Like, really lean into that digital... You know, using using platforms to, to make your your you know money happen. Wow, I just like fully <laughs> failed when it came to that the whole dis- sentence just derailed <laughs> halfway through. That's all right. I don't know. It was funny. I was just like, hmm, this isn't coming out quite right. <laughs> That's fine. My point being, I we stream the Twitch shows now. Sam is the moderator because yeah. um, we had a connection at Twitch who was putting my stream on the front page. Yeah. Um, so I was getting like. Thousands of viewers, right? Which is a, insane. Yeah, it was insane. And without a moderator, uh, you're getting the N word a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so Sam um, is a part of the show. She stays on stage. It's really fun. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah, like the format depends on what the show is. And right, because I imagine you have to change the structure based on what you're talking about. Yeah. Like so. So the last show was about TikTok. Right. And so I brought on uh, the three journalists who, in my eyes, like best 
capture what's going on on TikTok right mm-hmm. now. Lauren Strapagiel at BuzzFeed, Rebecca Jennings at Vox, and Calhan Rosenblatt at NBC. And each of them gave a presentation about like the different kind of anthropological details happening yeah. on TikTok right now. And so because my my live audience is primarily millennials and Gen X, um, I was able to safely assume that nobody would know what the fuck was going on and they were coming to see, like, what is To learn about it, yeah. Right, so the first half of the show was very TikTok-heavy. We were showing lots of TikToks. And then because it was TikTok, which is, like, still kind of young enough that people don't think about how horrifying certain aspects of it are. Right. Um, I had, like, a competition between some of my favorite comedians who prepared their own TikToks and I had the... The experts judge them, and I call it TikTok Tank. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> it was awesome. That's really cool. Right. So I didn't do that. So, like, for the YouTube show, the show ended with, like, that very serious interview with Carlos. Right. Because Carlos was, you know, the object of a lot of hatred online at that moment, and I wanted to create a space that was like, hey, there's a lot of people who love you and who's, who want to fight for you and want to support what you're doing. Um, and so I wanted to give him that. And so, like, my next show, which is a week... Well, I don't know when this podcast this, is This will be out in about three weeks, so it'll be out after the next Okay, one. great. <laughs> uh, so the next show, if you're listening to this... Okay, so my next show, as of right the second, is about Twitter. Uh-huh. Um, but then the next show, the December show, is about influencers. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's a little more broad than the it others, because it's not a platform. That's right. It's, it's a kind of... I guess kind of person. Yeah. How do you, how are you defining influencer for that? Um, I think <laughs> uh, that's a great question. I'm going based on what this fucking like ad agency dude <laughs> who I went to a workshop for. He says, well, ten thousand followers on Instagram. That's a micro influencer. Interesting. So an influencer. I think I'm just gonna att- attack like influencer culture. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. I I used to my my themes were very like. Uh, um, like platform agnostic, they used to be like, I had a show about memes, I had a show about porn, sure. I had a show about online dating. And like, it wasn't until the summer that I was like, YouTube, Facebook, Bill Wirtz. <laughs> um, and that one was just because we got Bill Wirtz to come in person. And I was like, well, fuck, I'll drop everything. Oh, right, why this wouldn't you? amazing. Um, but um, right now, the way I choose, choose my themes is like, I just collect interesting headlines because I'm trying, I, I think that it's important to be, like, slightly zeitgeisty. Of course. I mean, especially when you're doing a live show, it's different, like... Yeah. I like the podcast to be kind of evergreen, which is why I make it clear when the episodes are coming out yeah. as much as I can. So if you have something to promote, we can. So, like, if you know the date for the December show at the end, I'll have you plug that. Well, I'd, I'd rather people just generally... Like, if you look <laughs> at my name, there's That's a true. lot to find. That's true. Just, just go have some fun. Just go find... <laughs> just go, go find have some Mark. fun out there. Um... I do want to go back a bit to talk about. Wow, there's some crazy ruckus going on in our hallway. Crazy dog ruckus going on. Here. <laughs> yes, please go back. Um, you're wearing uh, the the listeners cannot see it, but you are wearing a Nicktoons shirt. Yeah, and so I feel an obligation to go back to talking about Nicktoons briefly. As you said, it was your influence, and it was mine too. I'm curious if you had a favorite. Oh, hundred percent. You must right. What's your what was your favorite Nicktoons show? Can I? I wonder if you can guess. Okay, so just for the record here, um, this shirt is a pre SpongeBob. shirt. Yeah, pre SpongeBob. So like, this so is like first and second gen. Uh, yeah, 1997. I would I would venture to guess that this shirt was made in 1996 or 1997. Um, 
Like, from I would want to guess based on what... Like, so for me, my first first love on Nicktoons was Ren and Stimpy. Sure. But the show I think I ended up loving the most, and I don't even know... I couldn't tell you why, is Angry Beavers. Oh, interesting. Like, I loved all the others, but there was something about the odd couple kind uh-huh. of dynamic of Great Angry Beavers. Like, it was just... It was so catchy and so odd for a Nicktoon that I really loved it. If I had to guess yours, though, hmm... Would it be Rocco's Modern Life? It would be Rocco's Modern Life. My there friend. we go. Wow, see that's. Have you it. watched the movie that came out? I, I haven't. I haven't watched it yet. How was it? Disappointing. Oh, I'm sorry. Like that all sucks. of them are. Ugh, yeah, but, that's a bummer. Uh, I was yes, I was a big Ren and Stimpy fan. Ren and Stimpy. Uh, I felt like I was getting away with something watching Ren and Stimpy <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because it was just it's just so perverse enough. Up. Yeah, and it well. I, I feel like it's that's another show that's kind of tough to talk about because the creator of that show is a real, real yeah. freak. Yeah. A really bad person. Um, but uh, I obviously loved Rugrats, too. Yeah, Tom, I feel course. like Tommy Pickles was a pro... Like, my buddy John explained... <laughs> it was really funny. It was like, there was Tommy Pickles, there was Woody, and there was Harry Potter. That was our generation's, like, our, our three male like the, protagonists. Like the heroes. Those yeah. were the heroes of our, like, growing up story. Um, but Rocco's what's spoke to me the most because it still had a little bit of that perverse uh, adult sense of humor that from Ren, Ren and Stimpy, but it wasn't so extreme. Right. And it was just so goofy. And yeah. it, like, if you watch, I have the full series of <laughs> Ren and Stimpy on DVD, of course. Of course. Um, and the <laughs> sound effects per minute uh, it's 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 got to be like in the double digits. Sure, it's like insane how many like it's just like constant. it's constantly like f- noises happening. And what I also love is like it's clear that Viacom just shared a uh, and I don't know if Viacom owned Nickelodeon at the time, but I'm pretty sure they did. Like a sound effect bank. Yeah, yeah. It was like one bank, like the the way that. You know, I know people who've like freelance at MTV and Comedy Central and shit. There's one service that they use yeah. for like the stock music and stuff. So, like, you'll hear the same sounds on Ren and Stimpy, Rocco's Modern Life, and SpongeBob. Yeah. Which I will say, I have since gone back and watched the first few seasons of SpongeBob and I really enjoy it. Yeah, I I was one of those, oh, this isn't my name. Like, I did yeah. that a lot. There was, the, yeah, of the, course. There was this, this era in college where, like, anything that was new that seemed slightly childish, I swore off and I now spend my 30s regretting it. Sure. Like SpongeBob, which I've gone back and watched and I do enjoy. There was a, a Zelda game that came out around my college years that was. Wind Waker. Yes. And I still haven't played it. I wrote it off then. Because I was like, oh, it's a cartoon. I don't want. Uh, I want to play a real Zelda game. See, I wrote that game off because you have to like be in a boat for fucking hours <laughs> trying to water Deku plants, and you're like, where the fuck are the Deku plants? It takes so long to sail places. Fuck this. I heard that in the in the HD remake on the Wii U that no one bought. Um, they streamlined some of that. That is what I also heard. Um, no one, yeah, no one had it. Well, if they continue on their <laughs> pattern, I do have a Switch. Eventually, it'll get re-re-released on the Switch, like every other Wii U mm-hmm. game. One can only hope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but like I did the I did that with a lot of shows, like looking at it and just being like, Oh, it's not what I know, so yeah. I'm not gonna consume it and which was really dumb. Yeah. Um it was funny, I was talking to a friend recently about uh, Hey Arnold actually and how of all of the Nicktoons, it was the most grounded yeah. and like brilliantly written, like family oriented show. Like I've gone back and watched the episodes and I'm like, this was a really deep yeah. like 
uh, inspiring show. And I just, you know, you don't make those connections as well, a so kid. Well, so was Doug. Doug yeah. was oh, also absolutely. really deep. And uh, to be honest with you, like, I think all of my close friends uh, are like... Well, will always say, like, hey, Arnold was their number one. But I was never, you know, I yeah. just, I was there for the laughs. Same. I, I mean... Give me, I, give me some Dexter's Lab over Hey Arnold. Uh, That's when I switched to Cartoon Network. So, yeah, Cartoon Network also, and now we're just <laughs> on a tangent about cartoons. But, like, I mean, but I think, like, really great comedy is grounded in a lot of that stuff, especially considering, look at how the cartoon landscape is now. Like, between comedy and drama, like, things like She-Ra and Steven Universe and Gravity Falls and Rick and Morty, like, all of that... All of those are created by people who definitely grew up watching these cartoon yeah. shows, for sure, or yeah. influenced by them. Um, but, like, I love... Like, I've gone back and watched Johnny Bravo, and I thought it was going to be problematic, but it's not. Oh, it's, that's good. It, it's... He always gets... Like, at the end, he always gets it in the end. He always gets it slapped, or his butt kicked, or, like... Yeah. Like, nobody reinforces his behavior, not even his friends. You know what was problematic? Ed, Ed, and Eddie. <sighs> Oh, that Jesus show. Christ! And I'm bummed because I remember really liking it. Right. But I remember there was something. There was something about it that made yeah. me feel empty inside, <laughs> like eating a bag full of sour skittles on an empty stomach. That's how I would describe Ed, Ed, and Eddie. That's a good way to describe it. I love how we've just gone completely off on a on a, a comedy cartoon tangent, which I I definitely appreciate as my yeah. little house is um, breaking outside of the things you do. Yeah. Um, what kind of stuff do you do that's not comedy related maybe to, to unplug or to decompress? Do you have any hobbies or things that you're interested in that aren't working 24-7 on the things you do? Which well, so, I know is a lot for a lot of us. You know, I recently uh, came face to face with the fact that I've been burnt out for as much as two years. Mm -hmm. uh, I, God, I don't know. I, I screen tested for SNL two years ago. Okay. And uh, that actually happened in a very intense way, in a story that I could save for another time. Okay. Uh, or we could talk about now, but it, it's a long story. Okay. I, I'll, I will leave that up to you. I'm well, I'm happy to have you back sometime to talk more about sure. this stuff. Sure. Uh, but, but I came so close, it felt like, and, uh, and I didn't get it, and I was okay with it because I... My understanding is that that's not the greatest work environment. Right. Um, you come up with a million reasons why it's not. You're like, well, I'm fine without it. But the fact that I was so close in my mind, no matter how close or not I was, but like I screen tested, I was right. like on stage. Um, I I kept I've thought every day for the last two years, like, well, next opportunity is right around the corner. I'm about to be cast in the next Fox sitcom. I'm the, like my my show is about to be sold. I'm about to you know. And um, and that kind of drove me to only work um, and work really, really, really hard. So my list of hobbies uh, is developing. Okay. I'm working on it. The things that bring me uh, peace are like spending time with friends. Sure. Uh, I cook a lot now. That's awesome. Which I love. My favorite cookbook is uh, The Art of Simple Food by um, shit Allison Allison Waters thank you Allison Waters um, I helped you that was all me I, just, I got you there well my chef I just met one of my chef friends was like there's controversy around Allison Waters people uh, like Anthony Bourdain hated Allison Waters because her recipes were simple no because apparently she like stole her idea from another chef or oh, some something I don't know I love Alison Waters fashion. sure she also I guess her, her political views are kind of like everyone should have a farm and have a CSA and it's like well it's easy for you to say that because you like have millions of dollars right um, do you have a favorite dish that you cook 
Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I keep it simple, like I said. Like, my, I would say favorite. When somebody asks me what my favorite food is. <laughs> I know, is, it's, it's impossible, right? Well, it's, it's, it, it, I make it possible because I'm like, well, just by the sheer amount of the number of times I cook it, like roast chicken. I love sure. roasting chicken. I love roasting chicken over, like, a bed of potatoes uh, and then pan frying those potatoes and the chicken fat and, like, having a side of, like, Last two nights ago, or last night, I made um, roast cauliflower as our side. Ooh. It was really sounds nice. delicious. Like just tonight, I just made butternut squash soup. Ooh, um, waiting for my wife when she gets home from work. Yeah, um, I like to cook. I like birds. I fucking love birds. Are you re- are you a bird watcher? Do you like go? To I'm park? an aspiring bird watcher. Got it. You're like, interested in birds, but you're an aspiring bird watcher. Yes, I have the app. I have the Cornell Ornithology Lab app which is called Merlin Bird ID. Um, I haven't yet committed to the whole, like, get the binoculars out and go camp out. Like, right. I, I don't know. I kind of, I'm like bird birder adjacent. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, and then, yeah, and then I, I like, you know, I like nerdy. Like, I like video games. I like watching movies. Is I like there- is there a game you're playing right now? or I'm playing Breath of the Wild for the second time. Amazing. How is it going back to it? Because I loved it the first time, and like I've since also played Link's Awakening, yeah. the remake, yeah. and I never played the Game Boy version, so it was like a brand new game oh, to great. me. Oh, great, okay. And I loved it. I thought it was phenomenal. I would rent that game at Blockbuster. A real, oh, I mean, back when the Blockbuster was yeah. a thing. I mean, kids know about Blockbuster now. It was in Captain Marvel. So That's you know. right, yeah. Captain Marvel, <laughs> a serious plot point of Captain Marvel was Blockbuster. Blockbuster. <laughs> um, but so I because I had never played it, like, and I, my favorite Zelda of all time were was a 2D Zelda, which was, it was Link to the Past, and then when the 3DS had the spiritual successor Link Between Worlds, oh, that right. became my favorite because it was more or less the same game with updated sure, graphics. Okay. But now Link's Awakening has become my new favorite because I like the top-down Zeldas. Oh. I loved Breath of the Wild. I didn't get everything, but I did beat it. I'm curious about going back to it because I'm like, will I want to do all that again? Well, so that's what I thought. I, I played it, and I played it for, like, I must have been 150 Sure, like, yeah. I put so much fucking time into that game. And then it tells you, like, you were 24% complete. I'm like, fuck that. Are <laughs> yeah. you kidding me? Yeah, like, what else? Um, and so then, like, life moved on, and I, like, you know, I got, you know, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, which I was really into for a while. I Mario Odyssey one. and all that. Sure. And then I bought the, da- the DLCs, but by that time, I forgot all the controls. So then I recently restarted it, and I love it. I yeah. don't know. It's, like, a perfect game to play in between, like, when you're in transit. That's awesome. And I forgot, like... How much you, the first time you play, like for me at least, I had, I knew nothing. I bought it when it came out. Same, so like, yeah. I discovered things as they happened. So the idea that like, like I got really into outfits for yeah. a while. I was like, sure. I'm just going to find all the outfits and buy them. And like, then um, like when I discovered that when you activate a tower, it gives you a piece of a map that was like. Dude, like days, months into me playing the game. Like, oh, there's still parts of this map I don't have. That's yeah, insane. Yeah. So now I'm approaching it from this level of like, I know exactly what exists. And so I'm, I'm like, and I, another part of the DLC is you can look where you've been. Like they, they Yeah, there's like a little travel trail. Yeah, so I've been trying to cover the map that's, densely. and That's awesome. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, I, uh, one thing I did love about it is every time I turned it on and went in a direction, I found something. Yeah, always. Like always. Well, it's like Minecraft. Yeah. Minecraft was like, 
what is continues to be one of the best games I've ever played because it rewards you for exploring. I like, love that and no shit. matter where you go, yeah, yeah, I love playing Minecraft with friends of mine and just like running around and seeing what we can accomplish. Like, do we want to build a town? Do we want to go explore a mine? Once a year, my buddies Ian and John and I get a server and we're like, we're gonna do it right this time, and we like <laughs> build. Like Ian loves watching. Like his his like meditation is watching Minecraft tutorials. That's amazing. So he will like just set up farms and That's like spawner awesome. farms and shit like that and John he's really good at exploring and he like he's like okay you know there have been three updates in the past year I'm gonna go find uh, you know like an underground kingdom in a, in a treasure map and one of those mansions in the woods the forest mansion or whatever the fuck it's called yeah and like meanwhile my whole thing is I'm like uh, I like being with you guys <laughs> and uh, I'm that also guy. having diamond stuff <laughs> Um, yeah, when I would play with my friends, they'd have this grand plan. So we played hardcore several times now, where like the goal is to fight the Ender Dragon, win, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, like yeah. and survive and not die because right. die is permadeath. And like when we start a server, it's like three really focused guys: my friends uh, Joe, Brian, and Mike, and then me. I'm like, I like to build stuff. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go get some trees. Like, yeah. I don't. I'm not so great at like the focus. Like, so on my Twitch stream right now, I'm playing Stardew Valley multiplayer because they added a multiplayer Ooh. update. And so I'm playing with my friend Katie, who is a, an incredible um, artist. Um, she draws cartoons and um, has done animation. Um, and we're doing it together. And the gag is, while it's my Twitch channel, she's really the expert. Like she's right. like, "Go here, plant that, buy these." And I'm, I just fumble around the farm, going, "I like farming." <laughs> Uh, how how really is fun. your? St- I, I okay. So now to interview you for a second. I Do know it. Like I love it. At the time oh, I just here. like to make sure it's still recording because I've glanced once and there's like nothing, and I'm like, oh, how much did we lose? I know that's happened to me. That's just that's just a fact of life <laughs> when you're creating shit. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, like in the the episode of Extremely on YouTube that drops on Saturday, which will already be online. Yes. Uh, where where I I was a vlogger for a day, so I like recorded every single thing I did and like made videos out of it the first whole video I made uh, the, the microphone was turned off uh, and like I've done whole streams with my microphone off and been like well it's there I can't delete it really I how mean, many I could. people are watching you when you play Stardew Valley so right now it depends so uh, my friend Katie who I play it with she has a bigger following than me in a separate because, like I said, she's not really sure. a, a, a streamer. Um, she's just really into games. But she has friends through comedy and through other things. Her, her uh, partner's a musician. Um, so I get, I'll get like ten or uh, you know eight to ten viewers okay. who stay through the whole stream and watch. Wow. Um, when I'm stre- I stream currently, I've kept a schedule of Sunday and Tuesday every week, um, except this past week because I did Extra Life, which is a charity. Uh, where yes. you you play games for 24 hours to raise money for children's hospitals, which I've done every year for the last like four years or so. Right. So I, but this year, this past year, I streamed the full 24 hours as well. Wow! And so like, and people came through most of the day, which was really fun. And I raised over 500 dollars, and my team raised over 800 dollars for great. children's hospitals. Um, but I was burned out, so I took a break. But for for the most part, I'm playing Tuesdays and Sundays. The Stardew Valley stuff is inconsistent, but I'll get an average of three to four consistent watchers every wow. every time and i just broke 100 followers on twitch oh this congratulations week. thank you and so like but for me also twitch became more of a i have fun doing this thing yeah because i took a break from it for a while I, I back when twitch like kind of first started i made one and i tried and i just wasn't really 
digging it. And then I was at a, a convention in January called MAGFest, the Music and Gaming Festival, which oh, is cool. phenomenal. It's just a, I had a blast Sounds the whole like time. A perfect festival for you. <laughs> yeah. And there was a streamer panel, but it wasn't with, like, Ninja. It was, like, with streamers who have a, cu- a couple thousand followers who are consistent or maybe 5,000 followers. And, like, after the panel, where they were all pretty frank the whole time, I asked. I was like, so I've been burned out on streaming. I've been wanting to do it again. What's the rule to stream? And this streamer named uh, Cypher of Tears, her name is Tanya, she looked at me dead in the face and said, who gives a fuck? Just do whatever you want. If you feel too pressured to stream a certain game... Sign on and just say you're chatting and see who turns up and just chat with them about how you felt too anxious to stream tonight. So you wanted to chat for a bit. Like, do whatever you want. Nobody's going to care. People will tune in if if they like watching you do whatever you're doing. And it was like like something was unlocked in my brain. Oh, like, cool. it seems so obvious, right? Yeah. And yet I didn't think that. And since then, it's just been like, oh, yeah, I'll do whatever I feel like. And it's kind yeah. of... And so lately I've been playing retro games. The Switch has the Super Nintendo oh, games on it sure. now. And so... For a while, I was putting it to a vote on Twitter, like, which game? And so I played Super Mario World once, then I played Super Mario World 2 once because You people... beat it? No, no. I just oh. played it for one session. <laughs> I played it for one session, and then I moved on. But then the third game that got voted on was Super Metroid, which oh. I love. I grew up playing. And so after the first stream, like, I, like the th- three hours flew by, and I was super into it, and I was like, I guess I'm doing this one again. And so my stream uh, just the other day... Uh, yesterday I wrapped it up. I beat the game. I didn't complete it, but like I beat the game. I killed Mother Brain, and I was like, "Oh, I guess for the games I really like, maybe I'll do like a series." Yeah. But up until that point, I was just I'm going to play a random Super Nintendo game because the Switch has all these games on it now. Yeah. Um, and I found like if it's a game I really dig, I'll stick with it. If it's a game that I only sort of like. I won't stick with it, but I definitely won't stream brand new games. If I do, it's like just for one one yeah. play session because then I feel obligated to not play the game unless yeah. I'm streaming. Okay. Like I didn't stream Luigi's Mansion at all except during Extra Life, which I just got the newest the newest Luigi's uh, Mansion. Is it good? Phenomenal. If you liked the first one and you thought the second one was only okay on the 3DS, the third one is for you. I haven't played the first two at all. The third. <laughs> well, then that said, if you like Ghostbusters. Um, and you want to play a game starring Luigi, I recommend it because it's you can start... Like, the premise is super simple. You can start from this game. The controls are super approachable. Yeah. It's it's not very difficult, and it's a lot of fun. It's, like, super cute. Um, I really dug it, but I made myself... I promised myself I wouldn't play it on stream on a schedule because then I wouldn't get to enjoy this thing that I've been looking forward to half the year on my time. Yeah. And like that's been the real, the real like challenge with that kind of stuff with with streaming on Twitch is is trying to make it work for you where it it feel it doesn't necessarily feel like a job, but it just it feels fun. Yeah. I think for me gaming also is a communal thing. Yeah. Like anytime I ever played an MMO like World of Warcraft or City of Heroes or any of that stuff, it was to play with my friends. Once yeah. they moved on, I was like, "Oh, I don't play this anymore." Sure. And Twitch has kind of given me that experience with single player stuff like if I'm playing it and people come in to chat about it, I feel like we're playing it together. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because I, I, so the reason I Twitch stream at all is because I had a show about live streaming. And I was like, oh, this would be fun if I sure. live stream the show. And then ever since then, it's been like, oh, yeah, duh, I should be live streaming this show. And, like, there are people who tune in, and it's really fun. And I got into my head like, oh, cool, I could do this. I could live stream shows. Um, but the problem is that, like, if people come to my channel to see a live produced comedy show and then the next one is, like, me in my 
apartment fucking playing, you know, Pokemon Snap or something like yeah. that. And being like, hey guys, what's up? They're like, why? Who are you? What is this? Yeah. Like, this isn't what I signed up for. Yeah. So I've kind of painted myself into a box where I'm like, I can only really stream when it's performing at Caveat. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you could still try it. Some people might not dig it, but I, I, I get the sense because it's how I became interested in the stuff that you do. Sure. Like, I got interested because of your personality. That's yeah, what brought... That's true. And, and if your personality is playing these games... First of all, if you're playing Pokemon Snap, which I would absolutely watch because that game is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I don't dude, care best, what anyone probably says. Probably one of the best games of all time. Um, <laughs> I would watch you... Because, I mean, like, the premise of the game is so stupid. Yeah. And yet it's a phenomenally fun game to yeah. play. Like, I would watch you snarkily play Pokemon Snap and critique your own photos. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, you know, and that game also rewards you for putting the picture, like, the subject in the center of the frame that's, like, totally not interesting at all. Yeah. I mean, why would you want to do that? It's you got to shoot off-center. Yeah. Rule of thirds here, Pokemon Snap. <laughs> that's what we've been waiting for. The people have been asking for a Switch Pokemon Snap. Where is it? It ha- Like, yeah, I, I, I would... Have people been asking for this because this is what I've been asking myself for like decades we, now. We've like, talked about it. it's funny we're talking about Pokemon now. It's funny we're talking about Pokemon. Uh, one of the gaming podcasts I do, Fun and Games, I do with my co-host Jeff Moonen. Um, because the new episode is coming out this Friday of when we're recording, uh, this Friday also the new Pokemon comes out, which Ooh. I am excited for. So we did an episode about Pokemon. We don't always do a game franchise, but once in a while we will. It's relevant to the release, and, and we're both big Pokemon nerds. And we didn't really talk about the uh, non-main, like, Pokemon games, but Pokemon Snap did come up because my co-host was obsessed with it. Like, he used to go to the printing machine, like, every week and print out his photos and all that. Um, But I would totally play a Pokemon... I mean, think about... Like, Pokemon Snap is made for smartphones, right? Like, with the augmented reality... Well, the Switch! It's perfect for the Switch! That's true, too. Because you've got, like, that whole big widescreen. It's handheld. I'm shocked that Pokemon Go isn't Pokemon Snap. Like, I I think they blew it. I think that... (laughs) I mean, obviously, they make money doing it, so they didn't blow it. But, like... For me, they blew it. Right, because I you want like, another Pokemon snack. I want to walk through the world and take pictures of Pokemon. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> like, that was my very thing about the Detective Pikachu movie, is that they they looked real on screen. It was, like, kind of mind-blowing to me that the texture and in the space, except for the few moments when, like, humans were interacting with them, like, when they were just on screen yeah. or next to people, they looked like they could be there. Yeah. And, like, that was really cool. So, yeah, I would totally play an augmented reality Pokemon Snap. In Thank a you. I am with you. This is my camp. <laughs> Let's start a change.org on that. Yeah, exactly, right? Get Pokemon Snap on the Switch. Yeah, what the frick? I don't know. Um, well, Mark, thank you for being on the show. This has been a blast. Matt, this has been a lovely conversation. I feel like I, I haven't, I, I feel like I haven't offered much insight, but it has been a, a fun conversation nonetheless. It doesn't always have to be insightful. I think we just as long as we had fun. I think that translates. I had fun. Well, that's good. And I've been also. You have a, a Captain America shield that I, I keep do. looking at. I do. It's a store-bought one, but that's not terrible. I cosplayed as, like, a casual dress Captain America with, like, a Captain America star t-shirt and, like, a so, dress shirt over it. And <laughs> so I bought the shield for that. Um, tell people where they can find you on the internet. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I, I guess I guess right now, uh, head over to uh, markvegan.com. That would be, like, the hub. But... Uh, if you want to learn more about my live show, go to internetexplorers.live. Um, but what I'm trying to promote the most these days is my YouTube channel. I'm trying to 
trying to get people to look there because I'm making some cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even get to t- on mic to talk about your Neopets series where you re-explore Neopets. Oh, that was the one thing you said you were going to go deep <laughs> And on. I completely forgot about it. Oh, that's good. But, but but go check it out, uh, Mark, as someone who's never played. Neopets, at the height of its popularity, is trying to do it now. And I promise you, it is a rewarding experience oh, to watch. You know, yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> My YouTube channel is me trying to do things online and then talk about it. And yeah. it's been a blast. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, and I think if you're enjoying the process, that's going to make it so much easier to keep making them and oh, continue to make them. Yeah, absolutely. And my, I have a series right now that I would encourage you to even watch right now. Okay. Uh, about uh, my process. Uh, I think I'm uh, in the YouTube channel. I'm calling it the YouTube Challenge. Uh-huh. But the, the the series is really called Extremely on YouTube. It's when I went, really, I tried to like immerse myself in YouTube for a full week. And uh, it's the, the series is probably the best thing I've ever made on tape. So Awesome. Well, I mean, that's, that's uh, I, I definitely give it the stamp of approval. I loved what I saw at the live event. Yeah, so yeah. definitely go check that out. Um, the last thing I'll have you do is you have a saying on the podcast. Um, it's born out of a music show that I don't do anymore, but it's called the saying is music is life and life is good. It's this idea that if you're making art with all the nonsense that's going on around us, life still isn't that bad as long as you're working on something you love. Yeah. So if you could sign off the show by saying music is life and life is good. Music is life and life is good. That's it for this episode of Crash Chords Autographs. Our theme music is by Michael Kill. Our logo was designed by Case Aiken and Joey Amans. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. You'll help us reach more listeners. Questions, comments, or guest recommendations? Email matt.storm at crashchords.com or hit us up on Twitter at Crash Chords Web. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Victor Devon, and I am the host of We Burlesque, the podcast. Every Monday, I talk to fabulous denizens of nightlife, including burlesque performers, both seasoned and new to the form, drag performers, performance artists, DJs, and artists who make up their respective scenes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please visit weberless.com to check out episode recaps and see all the formats available. And remember that music is life. Life is good. <laughs>